Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. My guest today is Chris Musto with Guaranteed Rate, and he has the distinction of being my first repeat guest on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me back, Nicole. And actually, I don't know if you realize this, you were my first guest in general, even though your episode didn't come out first. Really? Okay. No, I didn't realize that. So a whole lot of firsts. Yeah. Um, today we're going to be we're going to take a look at where the real estate market stands at the beginning of 2020. Uh, many people are approaching this year anticipating another recession. However, times have changed and there are quite a few differences between the years that led up to 2008 and the epic real estate crash that we went through and today that hopefully will ease these concerns. Um, one of those is the unemployment rate. Um, at the end of 2019, the U.S. jobless rate uh, claims were at a 50-year low, and we're seeing the same for the state of Florida. A recent article in the Tampa Bay Times reported that the state's unemployment rate dropped into record territory in December for the first time since current records began in 1976, the rate hit 3%. Mm. Wow. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is really good. And I think they say you want it to be under um, 5% for the market to remain strong. Right. And 3%, I mean, that's that's unheard of, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And there were in the article it said that it, it wouldn't be unheard of to see it drop below 3, mm-hmm. which is... There are some smaller states that are already in the twos. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But for... Being as large a state as we are and having the migration that we're having, um, being at 3% is, is huge. Yeah, that's huge. Um, number two, stricter lender lending standards reduce the likelihood of borrowers defaulting on their mortgages. And you can talk a little bit about that and how, how have the um, guidelines changed since um, we saw the, the real estate crash. Sure. So there's a lot more uh, regulation in mortgage lending just in general um, since uh, all the problems that we had in 20, I believe it was 2010, uh, Dodd-Frank Reform Act came out and there's been reams of legislation since then. Uh, oftentimes can be, uh, let's say it's not the, our favorite thing on the <laughs> lending side and sometimes you know borrowers um, complain about you know, having to get documents and whatnot, but that's just that's just part of uh, mortgage lending in general now. Is everything is checked, everyone everything's verified. Um, there the standards are much much higher um, than they were. So we have a joke, you know. In those days, all you really needed to get a mortgage was the ability to fog a mirror. Right. Well, there's whole lot more to it uh, now so one thing that is um, that's totally different is that you've got these loans are actually being underwritten people are qualifying for loans now yeah so it's fair to say that buyers and borrowers are far far more qualified 
than they were. Correct. And they have been for a while. Like right. I said, this is going on 10 years of this mm -hmm. kind of underwriting. Mm -hmm. And the numbers reflect that. If you look at the numbers of foreclosures and short sales that are on the market, we're seeing far fewer than we were in the days of the crash. Mm -hmm. You know, Florida had over a million foreclosures. We were the number one state when it came to foreclosures. And thankfully, we do not have a flood of those on the market anymore. Yeah. Um, Third, um, nationally, homeowners are more cautious choosing to retain equity in their homes instead of borrowing against them. Um, not necessarily seeing that here in Florida, but what would you say is the shape of the refinance market right now? I mean, the refinance market has been very strong since last year. Um, a lot of people have taken advantage uh, at this point who where it, it made sense but there's always going to be some refinance volume just because there's certain things that don't go away if people right. need to pull cash out or um, divorce situations there, there's any myriad of reasons other than just rates dropping but rates have dropped where it it makes sense for people even as, as short as a, a, you know a year ago to mm -hmm. look at it um, at least look at it and see if it makes sense. Um, and we expect that's going to continue for this year. Um, don't really anticipate uh, and, you know, large increases in rates. They could even go a little bit lower. Um, it's possible. So That's crazy mm -hmm. because, I mean, if you look at, you know, certainly my parents' generation, how drastically the rates have dropped from when I was growing up to now, even 20 years ago, mm -hmm. we were looking at twice that, you know, we were what in the sixes yeah, in, even, the, in the 2000, early 2000s. Right. I mean, even in, you know, as late as I think uh, 07, 08, you know, we were six sevens. And I think, you know, it wasn't that long before that, that the best rate you could get was 9.99 .99 if you had exceptional credit. Yeah. You know, of course the house would have been, <laughs> you know, half the price right. uh, or less, but yeah. Um, yeah. So they're historically just very, very low. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, hopefully we'll see it. We'll see it continue because that'll that'll be good for the market to um, to keep demand high. It keeps demand high, but it also keeps supply low. Right. Because as as, as demand increases, especially in Pinellas County, where we don't have any place to expand to. Um, we're, and we'll talk later on what that looks like, but our inventory is exceptionally tight, especially if you're under a certain price point. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about new loan limits. Sure. Um, those recently went into effect. Yes. Um, so FHA, conventional, VA, what are we looking at now? So for a conventional, um, the new loan limit is just over 510000 So as long as your loan meets that threshold, um, five ten or less, you can get a, a loan that's backed by Fannie Mae um, or Freddie Mac. Otherwise known as a conforming loan. Conforming loan, exactly. Um, so that's going to be most of the loans that are done. Um, it's going to be conforming loans. Um, they tend to have you know really good interest rates um, other than government loans which also do and we'll get into those um, in a minute here but yeah and you've seen uh, FHA has also been raised 
It is uh, in Pinellas and Hillsborough County. Uh, it's just over 331,000 um, wow. for FHA. So someone can come in and put three and a half percent down on FHA and, and get into a home. That's a pretty big jump, right? We were at 294? I believe, before? yeah, it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's the most significant FHA jump that I've seen, yeah. um, certainly in the since I've been in the business, which is going on 13 years. Yeah. So um, VA, now that's really interesting what's happened with VA. So they used to go by the conforming county loan limit. That has been eliminated. Uh, so now it's going to be up to individual lenders um, as far as how, um, how those go. So f for instance, at my company at Guaranteed Rate, um, we will go up to 510, 400. Uh, we'll do 100% financing for uh, veterans on a VA loan. Um, at, and that's with a minimum 580 FICO score, provided everything else is met. Wow. Okay. Um, and then between 510, 400 and a million, we'll do 100% financing up to 640 on VA loans. And then beyond that, um, we cap it a, you know, a little bit, 95% loan to value. I don't think that you can get that anywhere on a loan over a million dollars. That's incredible. Yeah. And let's just take a step back quickly. So you had mentioned um, up to the conforming limit on a VA loan with a 580 credit score. You still have to take into account your debt to income ratio. Correct. You're not just going to be given um, that loan because you have a certain credit score. You want to look at what you personally can take on in relation to other debts that you are obligated to. That is going to be the case for any mortgage loan out there. Is okay. That has to be analyzed. It's actually by law. Um, the ability to repay a mortgage, that's, that's why... You know, documentation is important and making sure that debts are accounted for. And that's yeah. a major change from the lending of years ago that led to the crash. It is, yeah. That's, I would say, one of the, one of the biggest changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, we've talked about lending and how it's changed and the loan limits. Um, we're not going to be... Um, forecasters because it's impossible to predict the future, but I do want to take a look at some different stats that typically reflect the strength or weakness of a market, um, just so we can talk about what the real estate market looks like here in Pinellas County. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing to remember is that real estate is hyper-local. Um, as we look at these numbers, keep in mind that this data may not be representative of what's going on in your specific neighborhood, subdivision, city, or zip code. Um, that said, let's take a look at some data for Pinellas County. Um, the inventory. So as of December 2019, and, and these numbers are for the month of December. Um, it takes us a little bit of time to compile all that data, so we're about a month behind when we look at it. But total inventory or active listings, we had 4,580 in the month of December 2019, which was down 21.4% from December of 2018, when we had 5,828 homes on the market. Wow. Yeah, and that's total single family homes and condo. If you mm -hmm. split it out, 
single-family homes, we were at 2556, which was down 23% from the 3322 in December of 2018. And condos, we were at 2024, uh, which was down 19.2% from 2,506 condos on the market in December of 2018. Mm. So obviously Pinellas isn't, is, a, is the smallest county in the state of Florida, but also the most densely populated. Right. So to think that we have less than 5,000 units within the whole county, that's it's not a lot. A lot of people want to live here. And we're growing every day. I, uh, I read an article in the Orlando Sentinel that um, forecasters for the state of Florida say that we are gaining 908 new residents daily feels like it <laughs> <laughs> just wait until March when everyone's here. right <laughs> um, the median price has gone up pretty significantly um, since and I went back four years just to see historically what we're looking at um, so the median price December of 2019 for single-family homes was 271 271,000 which was up 8.4 percent um, and compared to December of 2016, when it was 222250 I mean, that's a pretty big jump in a short period of time, it is. relatively speaking. Condos were at 188500 um, Their rise was a lot smaller than single-family homes. They were up just 1.9%. Uh, in December of 2018, they were at 185000 in December of 2016, they were 142. Mm-hmm. So still a good jump over the four years. Um, the average sales price grew at about the same pipe, same pace that the median sales price did. Um, average sales prices for single-family homes in Pinellas was 356, $3, which was up 8.9% over December 2018, which was at 326789 But if you look at that number compared to December of 2016, it's up $70,000. That number was 276945 which is, again, a big jump. You mm-hmm. feel for, I, you know, then migration has changed these price. I think migration is what's a big part of what's causing our appreciation because we have people coming from states where they're paying far more for real estate, mm-hmm. and so our prices seem very affordable. But for people who have lived here for decades, it, it can be a struggle to um, adapt to the appreciation that we're experiencing. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely a, a huge part of it. And some of the, when you talk about the median, or not the median, but the average sales price that's gone up, and you, you do have some sales, I, I don't know how much they're weighing in, but you've got a $16 million beach sale that the investor bought on Bel Air. Right. You've got, I think the founder ConnectWise paid 10 or $11 million for a house in Clearwater Beach, and then I'm sure there's 
Yeah, well, we yeah. just had a record sale in downtown St. Pete at Ovation, right? Over six million dollars, mm-hmm. almost seven million dollars. So those um, are the anomalies, right. which I get it. Maybe there's some skewing of the numbers, um, you know, with some of the very, very high end. But the other thing, Nicole, that I don't, I don't know that we talked about this, but there's been a lot of pent up demand mm-hmm. for a long time. When you cut, when you look at how inexpensive everything was after the crash let's say if you bought anything real estate wise in 2009 10 11 or 12 i mean it's you probably uh, any i mean anything in pinellas county has probably doubled in value at least yeah um since then and um you have a lot of people who wanted to get into the market and are now able to and have been able to you know year after year since the economy has improved mm-hmm. so I think that's that's certainly got to be reflected in some of these year-over-year increases as well as these people were renting and shut out of the market for a long time a lot of people were right you know and now they're getting back into it so. well and you talk about rentals we're seeing those numbers appreciate at the same pace maybe even at a faster pace because of the demand and people moving in and in some cases your and and there was a and put out a newsletter a couple months ago in most of the zip codes in the Tampa Bay area it's more advantageous to own than it is to rent because of where the rents are mm-hmm. so um, you know the biggest hurdle then is getting in and having that down payment. And um, depending on your circumstances, if you're a first time home buyer, there are a lot of down payment assistance programs that may be able to help you get in. But then there are also a number of mortgages where you can get in for as little as 3%. Correct. And there, this is where it's, it's really important um, you know, to look at your options, especially if you're a first-time home buyer, actually with a, a knowledgeable mortgage lender. So, and this is where I give my plug, of yeah. course. So, um, I would say that I probably it's about forty to fifty percent of my business um, on average is first-time home buyers. And one thing about those programs is they are historically very difficult to navigate. Yeah, it's not something that you can pull up online very easily and just say, "Oh, look at all these programs that are out there." So mm-hmm. you have like your Fannie Mae offers one that's three percent down, but there's ones where like I've got one where we do um, a ninety-seven percent first coupled with a 4% second mortgage. So mm-hmm. the client can actually borrow the entire down payment. So there, yeah. and there's several ones like that. There's, there's ones available from the county, but um, yeah, it's, it's important to really look at, cause everyone's situation is gonna be a little bit different and yep. what they qualify for. But I think the biggest thing is that people need to look into it and get with someone knowledgeable who can go over those options with them. Yeah, and two things I think are important to point out for anyone who is considering down payment assistance. One is your credit is still very important. Mm-hmm. And so um, although you're gonna need, a, a, the higher the, your credit score, the lower your interest rate in general. Um, so it's more advantageous to have a good credit score. Um, but also it's two different underwriting processes. And so you talk about buyers being frustrated just with mortgage underwriting and having to supply documentation. 
it's sort of doubled when you're doing a down payment assistance because those programs don't necessarily talk to your mortgage underwriters and so sometimes they're having to supply the same information two, three or four times because they're going to different places. Right. Well, yeah, and again, it can depend on how organized the organization is as well. But if you give them to me, I'll ask for them one time. (laughs) Yeah, but it is... It, but it's great if if you're getting, like you said, the, your down payment. Right. And just the ability to, because a lot of people have enough income where they can rent. I mean, we were just talking about around here. We're in downtown St. Pete. And close by, I mean, people are getting between $1,500 and $2,000 a month in rent on carriage houses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, one, certainly two-bedroom places, you know, are going for that. And you even... You know, in a market where it's competitive, um, you know, on the lower price points, and I say lower, meaning what under five hundred yeah. is considered, you know, on the lower on the competitive price point, um, you know, where we are, right, five hundred thousand for a home purchase for a home purchase, yes. right, and um, but you can still there's st- if you if you look, I mean, it's not like one day on the market they're all gone. Oh right. I mean there's yeah. still plenty to plenty to choose from. But absolutely. You know, we'll see we'll see how the year shapes up if there's gonna be more coming online. Yeah. You know, maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, well we'll look at the numbers. So the um months of supply, I think that's a good segue into that. Mm-hmm. Um, the point of market e- equilibrium is when there's six month level of inventory and that indicates that there's an equal pressure from both supply and demand. Uh, according to Realtor.com, inventory is forecasted to increase nominally but only for higher end homes in some markets. Uh, entry-level buyers will still face a lack of supply and and we've seen that just overall the um, months of month supply of inventory in December of 2019 was at 2.3 months which was down 23.3 percent from 2018 and that's for single-family homes condos uh, we were at 2.7 percent but if you really dig into that it's really specific by the price point, and you alluded to that. Mm-hmm. Under 500,000, it, it is very tight. We have some that are even in the ones. Mm-hmm. But over 750,000, from 750,000 to 999, 999, we're over six months supply. Mm-hmm. So we're at that equilibrium. That normal market. Mm-hmm. If you go to 1.5 million to 2 million, now we're at almost nine months, 8.77. Um, and the three to four million, you're at 63 months of supply. Mm. So you're firmly wow. in a buyer's market there. Okay. So knowing the, your price point um, is really gonna determine your approach and how you're writing an offer and, and putting forth a competitive offer um, so that you're able to... I think the buyer's biggest fear is over, overpaying mm-hmm. for a home and when you've got a fast moving market and a market that's appreciating at the rate ours is appreciating that's a very fair fear to have mm-hmm. so it's important to get with you know a realtor and a lender that really understand those numbers and can point you in the best direction and put together an offer that's uber competitive mm-hmm. 
So is there anything that I we haven't discussed that you'd like to talk about? Um, let's see. So we, we talked about the unemployment. We talked about the fact that it is a competitive market. How about the fact that we can still... You can still put something together and you can still get in um, forecasting for the year, okay? So what is it going to look like as the year unfolds? Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. Right. Um, what about people who say that, you know, uh, just like what you said, that, um, you know, they don't want to overpay for a home, feels like everything is high right now. Would you, I mean... Obviously, people have said that at points in time in other markets, and now those markets are completely unaffordable. Yeah. At one time, people in the 90s in Los Angeles were saying that too. And then. Right. And look at their market now. Right. And whatever you bought there has probably gone up eight times right. since then, right? So, could Florida, especially in the coastal areas like St. Pete, and I mean, this is a very desirable area um i think people are knowing about it from you know other states and they know that saint pete is a, a really happening spot and yeah. there's a ton to offer is this going to be a situation where this becomes like a next california style real estate where only the rich can afford to live here well, you look at the number of million dollar condos that are going up or even above $500,000 condos. There are a, a number of projects that are breaking ground that are being sold right now um, that's going to change the dynamic of the, the market, certainly in downtown St. Pete's. Mm -hmm. We have a number of luxury apartments going up in the South Marina District on South 34th mm -hmm. that is going to change the fabric of that neighborhood. Um, so I, I think we're going to have continue to have affordability issues as um, downtown expands further west that's mm -hmm. going to impact neighborhoods that are further west and as you know we're seeing a lot of activity down in Old Southeast and Tropical Shores and Pinellas um, Point and so I think you're gonna see that having an impact on the south side of St. Pete and the city is, has made the south side of St. Pete an opportunity zone. So um, I think you'll see investors going in. I don't know how quickly it's gonna change the fabric of, um, of that neighborhood as well. Mm -hmm. But as the, the market prices go up for people, again, who have been here for a long time, and you need to move into a bigger home, where do you go? Right. Can you afford that bigger home? And and if the answer is no, you know, then what do we do? Right. Um, some people are certainly going to have the equity in their home, um, but is that equity appreciating as the, at the same rate of where you need to go into? Right. So it, it's, I think, going to be a challenge um, for long-time residents, not necessarily for some of the people who are migrating in from California, New York, New Jersey, D.C., sure. which we're seeing a lot yeah, of. Yeah, it's well said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who, well, I would like to sell my house and buy something bigger, but 
look at that jump and it's just something that people have to have to think about absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely and um and just getting into the whole affordability um, issue, I think is interesting to yeah. at least talk about, because I think this is what people think about, too. Oh, absolutely. If they want to release, let's just say, some of the pressure on the bottom, mm -hmm. and why not incentivize the large companies that have gone on and bought hundreds and hundreds of, you know, blocks of hundreds of homes and keep them in, re in rental portfolios? Maybe there's a way to incentivize them to start selling them um, and releasing them back onto the market. You know, slow. You know, not all at once, but you know, over a period of time. Because a lot of the you know, the affordable housing gets snapped up by investors, and it's not necessarily you know like my dad who owns you know five rental houses. It's like a company that owns right. a thousand. Right. So that's a dynamic that. I don't think we really had that prior to the Great Recession. That's yeah. something that's come up, come along since then. Yeah. Well, I know that, you know, I was at the Chamber of Commerce hundred and twenty first annual meeting last week, and affordability is certainly one of the the topics that they are keyed in on and working on, because we want to keep the fabric of this great city mm -hmm. you know one of the things I love about the city is how artistic we are and um, the culture and it's you know sort of organic and eclectic and and I love that about this city mm -hmm. and, and we want to keep that dynamic in the city and um, I think there may be some people that are a little nervous that as more money comes in and as more outsiders come in that's going to change and so um, there were several things that they talked about but affordability is is key and there are a lot of public-private partnerships that some of the universities are doing to keep jobs here and to prepare people that are entering the job market and the job force um, to make sure that they're adequately prepared mm -hmm. it's probably going to change I think it probably already has yeah know, to some extent um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a balance because, you know, part of that, you know, kind of quirkiness or however you want to describe it is, uh, is also a big reason why people like it here. Right. You know, um, I don't know that everyone wants it to be a big sea of high rises. I think it's an interesting topic to, to talk about, yeah. but how do you fix an affordability, uh, issue? I don't know that it really can be, uh, can be fixed. Certainly not easily. Well, I know that that's one of the things in, in talking about the redevelopment of Tropicana Field or that, that area where mm -hmm. the stadium is, um, that was one of the key points that um, the city has made to anyone who's looking to develop with them is that it's going to be mixed use, mm -hmm. meaning that a certain percentage of the residential units that are being created out of that have to be affordable, meaning that people that are below the 80% median income can afford that. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe like rentals, uh, rental units yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that sounds about, yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine they would probably do, do that. Um, I mean, you still got, I mean, there's going to be, people are probably, you're going to see more development go south. 
mm-hmm. here, right? Um, I don't think that's anything new. Right. What about north of, I mean, up by me, I'm in the Riviera Bay, Gandhi area. There's, there's still land around there, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, where the Derby Lane is. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be interesting to see what happens to the Derby Lane. Now right. that I don't think you can, I think the dog racing is gone now Correct. as of this year. Correct. So I don't, that was an area that they had talked about potentially moving the for, rays right to. the rays yeah so um, and interestingly there's another there's another plot of land right by my um, my street where there's another I think forty acres that um, looked like it was going to be a development at some point and then the project went into just fell fell apart and it's just been sitting there. It's been for sale. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you've got the, I mean, and then you've got a lot of the industrial area up like, like Largo mm-hmm. kind of area, right? Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, there's, you see open swaths of land that you figure, you know, at some point there can be infill right. into those. And the city of Largo is doing a lot to attract, um, especially the healthcare industry. They've got some hospitals and, and the the city is is doing a lot in terms of zoning and um, land use and and they're doing some interesting things to make Largo more attractive mm-hmm. um, they put together a realtor tour for a group of realtors and they showed us um, some of the facilities that are available to all Largo residents um, like, like gyms and um, community centers You've got the Largo Central Park and some of the theater and and um, programming that they're doing there. It, it's it, I I learned a lot going on that just about what they're doing to attract people to to the city. Very of Largo. cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been a, a great discussion. Thank you so much. Been fun for uh, chatting with me. Absolutely. If you would like a report for your neighborhood, subdivision, city, or zip code, please let me know. I'd be happy to pull together this information for you. And um, if you are interested in sitting down and meeting with Chris and learning about um, your viability of getting a mortgage, What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, I would say just call me, 813-956-5170, or you can send me a text. Um, We'll put all the information in the show notes as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me or have a real estate-related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719-201-5022 or you can reach me via email at nicole at sellingstpetefl.com. That's N-I-C- O-L-E at S-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-P-E-T-E-F-L dot com.